This is the Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Now, with today's Caribbean News headlines, here's Keisha Wallace. Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. U.S.-Panama signed bilateral agreement on migration corporation. U.S. congressional delegation prioritizes financial access for Caribbean communities. Caribbean Development Bank supports procurement reform in the Eastern Caribbean. Amazon Web Services opens Puerto Rico office to support cloud computing growth. University of the West Indies professor re-elected as chair of UN Committee on Elimination of Racial Discrimination and Discover Dominica Authority 11 edition of Jazz and Creole returns. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, April 22nd. We start a report today in Panama. HaitiNews.net via Voice of America reports that U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Bilkin and Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas were set to travel to Panama this week for a two-day summit to discuss migration and other bilateral issues. Panama has become a transit point for migrants seeking to come to the United States, with record numbers entering the country, writers reported. The U.S. saw a record number of migrants trying to cross the southern border in the first year of President Joe Biden's administration. An even higher number is expected this year. Early in the administration, Biden promised to address the root cause of migration and promised $1.2 billion in assistance to Central American countries. Reuters reported that the United States and Panama have signed an agreement detailing commitments to improve management of migration between the two countries and increase access to legal pathways to immigration, Secretary of State Anthony Belkin said on Tuesday. The United States is the largest humanitarian donor to international organizations in Panama, whose work complements the government of Panama's efforts to provide humanitarian assistance and protection to vulnerable migrants and refugees, Belkin said in a statement. HaitiNews.net also reports that the United States will explore the possibility of resuming migration accords with Cuba, senior officials said, ahead of U.S.-Cuba talks this week on migration concerns. We have had migration accords with the country of Cuba for many, many years. Those were discontinued, and we will explore the possibility of resuming that, U.S. Homeland and Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said Wednesday at a press conference in Panama. That is a reflection of our commitment to legal, orderly, and humane pathways so individuals, including Cubans, would not take, for example, to the seas, which is an extraordinarily perilous journey, he said. U.S. officials said they have seen a significant increase in irregular and undocumented Cuban migrants heading to the United States, both via land and maritime routes. Cubans currently rank as the second largest group arriving at the U.S.-Mexico border. St. Lucia Times reports that on April 20th, Chairman of the U.S. House Committee on Financial Services, Maxine Water, Democrat of California, joined Barbados Prime Minister Mia Amor Motley to co-host a Caribbean Financial Access Roundtable at the Lloyd Erskine Sandiford Center in Barbados. 
The full-day roundtable focused on concrete proposals to tackle the challenges that small island states face due to the continued reduction of the availability of trade and financial services for their economies and people. In addition to Prime Minister Mia Motley, several CARICOM heads of government participated, as did CARICOM and OECS Secretaries General. Senior representatives of the United States, Canadian and Caribbean financial institutions also contributed, as did industry experts from the Caribbean and the United States. In her remarks, Congresswoman Waters said, I am indeed committed to fostering greater inclusion within the financial services sector. And as chairwoman of the Financial Services Committee of the United States House of Representatives, my committee has prioritized promoting financial access to traditionally marginalized and underbanked communities in the United States and abroad. For the Caribbean especially, this has long been a personal mission. Simply put, the Caribbean, its people, and its culture matter. The islands of the Caribbean are among America's closest neighbors. We do tourism together. We do trade together. We secure the hemisphere together. And we're family, both as a regional community and through the Caribbean diaspora of the United States. The International Conference follows Chairwoman Waters' previous high-level in-person CARICOM engagement on financial access and banking de-risking issues in November 2019. She was joined on the trip in Barbados by Financial Services Committee members Joyce Biddy, Democrat of Ohio, Sylvia Garcia, Democrat of Texas, Ed Pearl Mutter, Democrat of Colorado, and other members of the United States House of Representatives, including Troy Carter, Democrat of Louisiana, and Stacey Plaskett, Democrat of the U.S. Virgin Islands. Barbados Today reports that developing economies such as Barbados could witness a slowdown in the phasing out of fossil fuel use as a result of the ongoing energy crisis stemming from the war in Ukraine. This was outlined in the last International Monetary Fund Financial Stability Report. The report also indicated that rising consumer prices could put pressure on governments to provide fiscal support to households and businesses. The IMF document also noted that metal exports from Russia, which is affected by the ongoing war, had strong implications for global supply chains, including the renewable energy industry. According to the Financial Stability Report released on Tuesday during the IMF Spring Meeting 2022, the buildup of renewable energy infrastructure will require time and is likely to face headwinds amidst rising prices and supply disruptions of critical commodities such as cobalt, palladium, and nickel. Many emerging markets and low-income countries face difficult choices given limited fiscal space and higher demands on government due to energy disruptions and the pressing need to ensure food security. The Caribbean Development Bank has started a new phase of its 
public procurement reform program, which is helping Eastern Caribbean countries to increase efficiency and effectiveness in government and procurement. The second stage of the program, which will include finalizing legal reforms and establishing electronic systems, kicked off with a 47-participant workshop held recently in the British Virgin Islands. The second phase of the procurement reform is estimated to last until mid-2024. Better expenditure management provides a foundation for building stronger and more inclusive economies. This can be achieved through robust public procurement that provides transparency and accountability by promoting civil society's participation, stimulating private sector growth and investment, and encouraging wider improvements in governance said Caribbean Development Bank Head of Procurement, Douglas Fraser. Before the procurement reform started in 2018, the Caribbean Development Bank finance assessment showed that few countries had dedicated procurement, legal, or regulatory frameworks. Typically, procurement can account for more than 10 to 15 percent of a country's gross domestic product, but the amount can be considerably higher for small island developing states such as those in the Caribbean, where 8 to 11 billion U.S. dollars is spent every year on public procurement. Consequently, there is significant need for the Caribbean Development Bank to support its boring member countries' development objectives in this area. In the past four years, with the support of the bank, legal and regulatory reform took place in Antigua and Barbuda, the British Virgin Islands, and is at advanced stages in Anguilla, Dominica, Montserrat, and St. Kitts and Nevis. The Caribbean Development Bank is also actively advocating for all of the OECS countries to join and participate in the Inter-American Government Procurement Network to share technical knowledge and best practices, with the result that for the first time, all OECS procurement leads had a venue to meet and build technical relationships. MyView News reports that Amazon Web Services Inc. and Amazon.com Company announced the opening of its office in San Juan, Puerto Rico to support the rapid adoption of cloud computing in the country and the rest of the Caribbean. Local Amazon Web Services representatives of Puerto Rico will work to support organizations of all sizes, from startups to some of the island's oldest and most established firms, including public sector entities, as more Puerto Rican companies transition to the Amazon Web Services cloud, officials said. As a part of this expansion, Amazon Web Services also plans to hire professionals for sales, public sector, marketing, engineering, and technical consulting roles based in Puerto Rico. The office located in the Miramar section of San Juan will open in 60 days. The total investment of the Amazon Web Services is making to enter the local market remained undisclosed. 
Approximately 15,000 educators from around the Caribbean are set to benefit from professional development training specifically designed for them to assist students in overcoming the learning losses occasioned by the COVID-19 pandemic. The training is part of the Learning Recovery and Enhancement Program known as Let's Reap, launched in July 2021. The program was developed collaboratively between the Caribbean Community CARICOM, the Caribbean Development Bank, and the Organization of Eastern Caribbean States. The expected outcome of the Let's Reap program are to increase equitable access to quality education and training, enhance learning outcomes for all, and increase students' capacity to meet grade-level expectations. As CARICOM countries forge ahead with implementing the program, their capacity to successfully execute the key elements of Let's Reap is expected to be enhanced with the regionally coordinated training program, which will start in June 2022 and is set to run over the course of the year. Caribbean Development Bank Education Specialist Dr. Paul Murphy shared that the bank will coordinate funding support for Let's Reap capacity development and institutionally strengthening through various sources. These include grant resources, existing and new projects in the Caribbean Development Bank borrowing member countries, collaboration with other development partners and through the public sector investment program of boring member countries. The director of the Center for Repatriation Research at the University of the West Indies, Professor Verney A. Shepard, has been reappointed to the position of chair of the United Nations Committee on Elimination of Racial Discrimination. The Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination is the United Nations' oldest treaty body, and the committee implements the International Convention on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. Professor Shepard, whose candidacy was supported by CARICOM, is the first citizen from the region, as well as the first Jamaican, to be a member of the Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination to serve as chair. She has been a member of the committee since 2016, winning the highest number of votes among those who competed for a seat on the committee twice in a row. This is the third time that the social historian and repatriations advocate will serve as chair of the committee, having held four terms in 2015 and 2019, respectively. BVINews.net reports that with the incinerator at Pockwood Pond in the British Virgin Islands inoperable because of a major fire damage, Health Minister Carvin Malone announced that the government of the British Virgin Islands is looking at mobile incinerators to help tackle the waste problem in the territory. Speaking at a special announcement press conference, Malone said the only other option would be to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to repair the incinerators that the government currently has. However, according to the minister, the issue with this is that a number of the parts required for repair have proven difficult 
for the government to obtain. Malone said these parts include the scrubber and the control panel, which was burnt in the fire. Malone said the request for proposals for the mobile incinerators will soon be released and that the person who wins the contract will be able to do their work on Tortola and then the government would be able to transfer additional mobile facilities to Virgin Ghana, Anagata, and if necessary, Yosvindike, so the problem can be permanently fixed. And finally, Discover Dominica Authority will host its 11th edition of Jazz and Creole this year after a two-year absence. The event is set for May 1st at Fort Shirley, Cabritz National Park. Acting Festival and Events Manager Samantha Lathang said that the lineup for the Jazz and Creole will showcase a diverse and interesting set of artists that are sure to entice and please the patrons and followers of the event both locally, regionally, and further afield. This year, the event will have two main foreign artists. They are Teddyson John out of St. Lucia and JSJ Trio out of Guadalupe. Jazz and Creole will be held on Sunday, May 1st from 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. For more information, visit Discover Dominica Authority. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, April 22nd. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com. If you found value in this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you in advance for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news.